In the recent catechisms uh, preaching, uh, the focus was on our Savior's first two names. We heard why he was called Jesus and why we confess him to be Christ, God's anointed one. Now this afternoon we look at his two other names, God's only begotten Son and our Lord. While we are confessing his divinity, we also confess that we ourselves, we are children of God. And thus, though there is a huge difference between God's Son and us, there is also a close tenderness, a tender closeness. With the Son of God, we together are God's family. And that's wonderful how we are together in church as God's children, God's own Son, and we as God's people, His children, Christ in us. Here also even the little ones, too, may rejoice that with their mom and dad, and with all others present here, they are God's children. Indeed, children here also in church know, know that the Lord loves you very much. In church, He also speaks to you. He takes care of you, and He loves you. He, the Lord God, so to speak, takes the children, you all, we, uh, us all, into his lap. And he assures us, you are mine. And so listen to me and love me and sing your songs unto me. And so congregation, in those simple words, we have touched the overwhelming glory we have. Now already, this side of heaven. It's the glory revealed from heaven even since the birth of God's Son in Bethlehem fields. As His people, we truly have a wonderful new life. And thus, though this Lord's Day has number 13, you know 13 is often considered to be a dark even a dooms number. This part of the Halbert Catechism confesses our great glory, which is our Savior has freed us from the dominion or the realm of sin and death. In Christ's realm, our Lord makes us walk, as we read this afternoon from Scripture. God makes us walk in newness of life, and that means that the dark veil of death, so to speak, evaporates from us. This afternoon, God's Word comes to us summarized as follows. Freed from the realm, the dominion of sin, we live in the realm of new life. First, we are saved by Jesus who is God. Secondly, we are God's adopted children. In the third place, we are under Christ's dominion. 
beloved congregation, 33 states that Jesus is God. Now, throughout history, this truth has been attacked, denied even. Actually, this already happened during the Lord Jesus' life on earth. You know, the, the, the Jewish leaders refused to accept him as God, as the Son of God. They found it even blasphemy that he claimed to be God, the Son of the living God. And even his disciples struggled with who he really was. Till the Lord's resurrection, they kept looking at him as an earthly Messiah. The disciples expected that he would restore the Jewish realm. And then they hoped to receive a fine position in that realm. They just didn't get it that he would restore God's peace and glory to all nations. For them, he would bring about his realm of new life. That was his work on earth here. Christ had to come to bring about the realm of new life for all the nations, overthrowing Satan's rule, overcome the realm of sin. Basically, beloved, basically all those whose eyes are closed are not open for Christ's divinity are thinking too much of themselves, of their own human power, their potential. And that's true for all the heretics mentioned in Belgic Confession Article 9, including Arius. Arius denied that Jesus is God. Today, the teaching of Arius, for example, followed sadly by the Jehovah's Witnesses. And it's also the case with Mormons. Also with many liberal Christians. They look at Christ Jesus as being yeah, more than a man. He is kind of a superman. And so he is a loving and inspiring example for us. But he's not God. The loved ones never, never separate Christ from Scripture. Never separate Christ from Scripture. As we have read in Romans 6, Scripture reveals that all believers receive a glorious position beyond imagination. For seeing this, we need to focus on how the Bible describes man's position through the fall from God. You know, from disobedience to God, man toppled himself by joining forces with God's opponent, the devil. And then man landed into the domain of sin. And in that domain, man is prone to polish up his own self. However, by all his big noises, he shows his weakness. For often, in emotional language, language that comes out of man himself very often, emotional language, he draws attention indeed to himself, 
claiming his own freedoms. And so he rebels against our holy, glorious God. Now there is a totally different world among true believers with us in Christ's church. We confess here that man cannot help himself. As also this morning we have heard, all the help comes from God who has made heaven and earth. And man, we, we cannot save the world. We cannot make a better world. We cannot create a new and free world. God only can do so. And he did so in the beginning. And he will do that again at return of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, in Romans 6, we read that, in principle, believers already live in newness of life, having broken the power of sin in Satan. The Son of God makes us, as God's people, live, now already live, in the realm of his Son, of that realm of new life. And Christ Jesus could do so, bringing to that newness of life because of who he is. As the Heidelberg Catechism confesses simply, he alone is the eternal, natural son of God. Simply it means he is God. Now through the Old Testament, though the Old Testament foreshadowed his heavenly identity. Holy Scripture clearly reveals this truth throughout the New Testament. It's splendidly the glory of the Son. He splendidly shone already on his birthday. Then the heavens broke open. Scripture also shows it throughout Christ's ministry here on earth. He showed his divine authority in word and in deed. Furthermore, not in the least, Jesus Christ's resurrection showed that he is God. Then, for example, Thomas, he was an, a doubtful man. Thomas had to make the right confession to the risen Christ. For by seeing him, Thomas said, what did he say? My Lord, am I God? The risen Christ also walked the two men from Emmaus through the Old Testament scriptures. And then he opened their eyes for who he was, for his divinity. The same happened when all the disciples were together on the first Sunday, the Sunday of his resurrection. Now those places and many other in the Bible clearly confirm that Jesus is of God. As the Creed, the Apostles' Creed says, begotten. He is of God, from God. Also note that scriptures gives him divine honor. 
Revelation, in the book of Revelation, he is called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. A very clear Bible reference of Christ's sonship is expressed at his baptism. Then also heavens opened and the voice of his father was heard. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. His father also placed these words on Peter's lips. You are the Christ the Son of the living God. And also I should point to a very well-known text. Even the children omit, they know that text. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world uh, that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Beloved, Against all unbelief and pride of man, the church has safeguarded Christ's identity in its creeds and confessions. A much elaborated one is the Athanasian Creed that we read also before the preaching. The other, the Nicene Creed, also very succinctly says that he is begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, Light of light, very God of very God. Begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. And thus, though he took upon him our human nature, Jesus Christ is and remains our highly exalted God, Savior. He is full of divine majesty and power, highly exalted above everything. And though it remains a great mystery for us, we embrace our Savior as God's only Son. He is our life. As God and man, he overthrew Satan's rule. God's Son made us free from his evil power. And that's already the comfort of Lord's Day One congregation, that we believe that our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, has set us free from all the power of the devil. It's wonderful. Now, this wonderful truth has another dimension, as is expressed in the second line of question and answer 33, namely that for Christ's sake, we are children of God. We are children of God by adoption through grace. We have seen that being God, that Christ is highly exalted over us. And yet, though he is very exalted over us, he is also very close. He is very near to us. Because of his coming on earth, taking up the form of man, he has become one 
of us. Yet even then, as one of us, there is a difference. For Christ is the natural Son of God. And we are God's children by adoption. A congregation that is a very, very moving and touching truth. Behind God adopting us as his children lies his marvelous love of the covenant. In the Old Testament, God showed his loving power and grace to his people Israel. They were the children of Abram. Yet, through Christ's redemptive work, the covenant of God opened up to all people on earth, to all those who believe, to us. The apostle writes about his grace in Romans 5 and 6, emphasizing that all believers from all nations have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Very frequently, indeed, the apostle emphasizes that because of his son, God has taken us up into his everlasting arms. Christ's Father is now also our Heavenly Father. And then in Romans 8, the Apostle shows by which power we live as God's adopted children. It is by the Spirit of Christ. Again, that is wonderful because we don't live in the realm of new life through our own power but through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Again, that is wonderful, and the reason also why we uh, confessed our faith with the Athanasian Creed, because our new life, beloved, our new life is fully guaranteed by the eternal love of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1, verse 5, our sonship of God is beautifully described. It says, in love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And our form of baptism refers to this truth as well. And it says, when we are baptized into the name of the Father, God the Father testifies and seals to us that he has established an eternal covenant of grace with us. He adopts us for his children and heirs and promises to provide, provide us with all good and avert all evil or turn it to our benefit. A few times now the word Adoption is mentioned. Adoption. You know that when a child is adopted, though he or she is not a natural child of the adoptive parents, it is nevertheless treated that way as a natural child of the adoptive parents. And therefore, the child receives all the rights 
of a natural son or daughter, including being an heir of his adoptive parents. Now, can you imagine what it means to be fellow heirs with Christ? Heirs of God through and in Christ we indeed have a new identity. Not Satan's children, we have no inheritance whatsoever. Death, nothing left. But God's, we are God's children. And now we have a great future. Out of the realm of the devil and death. We live now into the realm, in the dominion of God, enjoying new life. And we indeed already have the beginning of new life. We live in newness of life. We have it, we have it in Christ. He is the sum and substance of the covenant with all is gifts and strengths. A congregation, we can hardly estimate what this means. Yet again, Scripture helps us to see the enormous benefits of our new life. In Colossians, we read that all the fullness of the Godhead all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in him, in Christ. Again, I say in Colossians we, read, Colossians, we read, the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in him. And therefore, as heirs, as God's heirs, we can say, what Christ has, we have. What Christ has is ours. So his power, his love, his justice, his perfection. Imagine, that's ours, his love, his power, his justice, his perfection. As God's adopted children, we may claim these qualities as ours. See what it means for our everyday life, though in many respects we have fallen short in because of our weaknesses. And yet at the end of the day, we may come to our Father in heaven in Christ's power, in his love, in his justice, and even in his perfection. Then we claim those qualities as ours, as our own. And so we see that Lord's Day 13 doesn't point to doom at all, but to our huge boon, so to speak, to the glorious benefit that for Christ's sake we live a new life. We now already are heirs 
since in Christ we have died and therefore are living towards our heavenly heritage. And this brings us to look at the last name of our Lord, our Savior, and that he is called our Lord. Our Savior's first three names have a world of meaning for our salvation. They all confirm that what happened at Christ's birth, that in the fields of Bethlehem, that indeed heaven broke open. And we live now under the glory of our heavenly God. And that heavenly light pierced now the darkness of our world. You know then, at Christ's birthday, then the great host of God's angelic servants filled that night with their praise. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to men. In other words, with Jesus Christ, God's Son on earth, then God makes the impossible for man possible. There is again peace between God and man. God fulfills his promise to Abraham that all the nations would be blessed through him. As we already heard, God's promise of the covenant is now for all nations, including you, me, all of us. And that's why a moment ago you heard that we are living towards our heavenly heritage. We are living towards our heavenly heritage. And that's the meaning of our covenant life, congregation. The meaning of our day-to-day -day life. Face it or not, the reality is that our life on earth goes very, very quickly by. You're born. You graduate. You marry. You get children and give them all your love. And then, already old age is there. Or you go through life on your own. Every day you work. Before you know, your age reaches the midlife stage. The, dear, the, the, the days, the years, your time here just flies by. Who organizes our life? Who is in control? Who is your and my Lord? Who is the authority to say of our life that is our Lord? Loved ones and now especially Young people are addressed, including the 2022 graduating class. As God's child, commit your life to the Lord. Just do that. Plan your life. Make your decisions. 
with your Lord. You know, you, we all live in a very man-centered, that is an individualistic world. A lot of emphasis is placed on performing, performing, performing. You have to show what you can do. You are encouraged to focus on your own potential. Well, giving attention to performance had its place. But, but if that becomes the first in all thing in life, then we have our priorities wrong. As God's children, we are not trained to cater to our old self, but to our new one in Christ. So how then do we live as God's children under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? How do we live as his redeemed covenant children? How do we live in newness of life? By what do we need to conform ourselves? In other words, where do you get your direction from? Or whom do you follow? And to what do you conform? You see, the first thing is not perform, but to conform congregation and especially young people think of your baptism then God pulled you out of the realm of sin and Satan he placed you in the dominion of your son he bought you we confess not with silver or gold he bought you with his precious blood and so he is your Lord that's what we confess time and again. I believe in Jesus Christ. Let that not just be empty words. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, yes, and our Lord. Does He is your Master, your owner, you and I have to conform to him. And this means that we don't only focus on what he gives, love, peace, freedom, good life, not only what he gives, but also what he asks, what he requires of us as his servants, or as we read in Romans 6, as his slaves, as his bond servants. And that is, first and foremost, we have to commit ourselves, our whole life, to him. We need to show that Jesus Christ is our Lord, and so that we live as his 
workers. And your studies, planning your life, and your daily tasks and responsibilities. You therefore need to be aware that you live under dominion or under the yoke of your Lord Jesus Christ. The word yoke you heard is a reference to Matthew 11. There, the Lord Jesus tells us that he takes that heavy, hard yoke of slavery unto death. He takes that away. A yoke of living for self. He takes that of us. And that's great. What a Christ we have that renews and brings us in a new life. A lot of things he gives us. And we look often what he does for us. Yet you have heard this direction as well. Let's never separate Christ from Scripture. That means also, let us not forget his requirements, his commands. And so, yes, he takes that hard yoke of living for self away. But, but he places another yoke upon us. And he says that is an easy one. And that joke is to have him as Lord and Master in the new life. And to be, therefore, his co-worker. Having everything, indeed everything, in him. The yoke that the Lord gives is, is easy because we carry it. In his church, we carry it in the dominion of his realm of new life. Here in church, your Lord gives also the strength to live for him. The strength he gives it by his word and by the word that is strong and that is very, very precious, effective. For it is joined with God the Holy Spirit. And so we are very rich and well off as a committed servant of the Lord. It's wonderful. Because if you will, if you will look back in your life and you will stand in awe about how your Lord already has directed and has ruled and has guided you on the way as his heirs on the way to heavenly glory. And thus, as the apostle says in Romans 14, none of us, children, young people, People in the midst of their lives, seniors, no one accepted. So none of us lives to himself. Romans 14. None of us live to himself. If we live, 
be left to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Oh, it's so wonderful to live our new life under the dominion of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, our Lord. Amen. Psalm 37, stanza 2 and 3. It's Amen song.